Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, and we are continuing with our first regular season mailbag. Alex, what wonderful questions did we get from the best fans in the world today? Yeah, to close things off today, we've got what position we think the Knicks most need to upgrade right now. Talk about uh, some of the best alcoholic beverage options at the Garden. Talk about RJ Barrett and uh, what the problem might be with him as of this particular moment. Uh, talk about Randall uh, and Taj a little bit and and some of their various uh, uh, things that go with their season. And then also, finally, we talk about Tibbs and Leon and uh, if if we should take a long-form view and not overreact to what's going on right now or even this whole season. So we'll talk about all that coming up right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up and tucks left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's out. Anthony for three. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. And we want to thank you, as always, for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. Remember, we are now available on all platforms, including YouTube. And if you see us right now, you already know that. And we also want to remind you, today's episode is brought to you by Calm. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm and get a 40% discount off a premium subscription. Go to calm.com slash NBA. I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster, getting ready to do about 50 high school football games this weekend, which I am just ecstatic about. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the world, and a Knicks beat writer at Clutch Points. Uh, very, very exciting stuff. And Alex, we are continuing our mailbag series. So let's, without any further delay, get right into it. Justin Ramos at It's Justin Ramos wants to know, what position do you personally think needs an upgrade? Related, what position do you think we're most likely to upgrade? I'd still argue lead guard, but with the lack of available upgrades slash prices, I wouldn't be surprised if the front office's next move might be Mitch related. Yeah, I... I don't know. It's it's tough because I still I still hold the belief that this team is is still pretty good. You know what I mean? Like I don't think I don't think that it, despite the struggles recently the starters and people can say all they want that oh this is a finished product. I don't believe it's a finished product. I think I think they're still working at it. They're still getting consistency right. There's been a million different cases in the NBA of teams that add you know, high usage, uh, big money, you know, whatever, like big minute players to an existing core. Sometimes it can take a minute for that all to gel together. And we've sort of seen like the bench already is gelled because it's the same bench as last year. The starters are having their struggles. They're trying to learn Tibbs' defensive system. They're trying to learn how to play with each other on offense. You know, Kemba taking more plays where he's not the primary guy. Julius taking more plays where he's not the primary guy, stuff like that. So I, I don't really think that there is a position that I think 
quote unquote needs an upgrade. Like I'm willing to be patient for at least, I don't know, 10 more games or something like that. And I think we saw really good progress in that Indiana game as far as the starters looking better when they came out of the gate and looking more symbiotic on offense, looking like they were communicating better on defense. You know, so I I don't really think that there's like a huge need to upgrade any position. If I was going to maybe highlight one, uh, I would say other than what Justin said, I I don't necessarily know if it would be Mitch related because I think that they still, you know, even if they don't think Mitch is necessarily the answer, I do think that they feel confident enough with that rotation of Mitch, Noel and Taj to continue going with that at center because those are basically the exact type of players that Tibbs likes at that position. Uh, I think maybe Fournier and the shooting guard spot, if I was like gun to my head, going to have to pick one that they would, you know, try to trade and upgrade. I think maybe post December 15th, you know, as much as you want to keep Fournier, I think if they could put, if they could use him as the $18 million building block, plus some younger guys to get a better option at the two guard, maybe that's something that they would look into. Uh, but I, I don't really think I, I would be extremely surprised. Let's put it this way: if the Knicks made any sort of big trade this season, um, I think they might make one or two little trades around the margins because that seems to be a thing that they're into, which I like because I like adding all those little extra second round picks and junk like that. But I don't think that they're going to go crazy. But I don't know how you feel about that, Gavin. If you think that there's any more like clear position of need right now. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you in that. I think it's pretty unlikely that a move comes during the regular season. And I think I still think the Mitchell Robinson stuff is is weird, but and kind of upsetting, but also fascinating in that, like, this is a guy that you and I were just, I mean, obviously forever, like it was we wanted we changed the name of the podcast to locked on Mitch at one point, like we were, we were so high on we were over the moon for and then this year, like, it just left like a sour taste in my mouth between like, again, like the the loss of his mobility, like which I again was sort of the quality that I felt made him special. Um, the fact that his offense, maybe not his fault, like he doesn't get a lot of chances to even show it, but hasn't really seemed to progress past run, jump, and dunk. And it feels like he at this point, like he's not going to be the guy we thought he was. So if I'm if I'm still looking at a spot, like I, I know last pod or last mailbag that we did, I suggested the DeAndre Ayton trade. And the thing is, like there just aren't that many DeAndre Aydens out there. And so you got to like at the center position, you you got to really work hard to find that guy. There's a lot of solid centers. There's a lot of guys who can do what basically Mitch is doing now. And I, I thought Mitch could do more than what Mitch had done in the past. And instead, he's sort of doing less than what he's done in the past. So if I had to pinpoint a spot, that might be it. While also noting, I think there is a world where, again, the, the upgrades are already on the roster, um, such as Emmanuel quickly potentially over Kemba Walker. And that that still feels a little like sacrilegious to say. And like and obviously, like with quickly, like part of the conversation is like we just have such lower expectations for him. Like like Kemba still has not had a stretch as bad as Quickly's first seven or so games. But I'd also argue Kemba's not at a stretch as good as like Quickly's like next seven or so games. So it'll be, I think that'll be fascinating throughout the season. If there's a point where, and, and, and to be clear, like, I don't think there's a world where quickly is a better offensive player than Kemba this year, but if he's, he's that much better defensively and he's, if he keeps playing like he did the other night, like there's, there's a conversation about like, or, or at least quickly is in the same realm as Kemba offensively. It sounds nuts to say about a multi-time all-star point guard and Emmanuel quickly, who um, is, is good, but not at that level yet. Um, that being said, like I think it, I think it would more so be an internal situation, or maybe it's Derek Rose, who's just flat out the next best player, 
who, who overtakes that spot and starts playing like 32 minutes a game down the stretch or in the playoffs. So I think the answers are probably internal to, to answer that question. Um, if they are external, I think, I think I would pinpoint the center spot as, as the position where you'd see an in-season upgrade. But like you, I think, I think that's kind of a long shot because the guys that are, are obvious upgrades over Mitchell Robinson are either unavailable or available for just an insanely high price. Yeah, that, that's pretty much how I feel too. And the other thing to consider too, is just like the sheer amount of money that they already have invested in the center spot. So yeah. if you go out there and you, uh, you know, you trade Mitch along with, I don't know, let's say like Obi, and then it, I guess maybe, I guess if you use Noel to make it work for money or whatever, but let's say you were going after like Deandre Ayton or something and you base it around yeah. Mitch, Mitch and Obi and picks or something, you know, maybe, maybe uh, like, deuce or grimes or something like that you know and the Suns are willing to talk that deal then you know that's something you can make work monetarily but then now you're talking about okay now we're going to max deandre ayton already have nerland's noel on a three-year uh like 27 million dollar deal and have taj gibson making like four and a half million a year are you really going to commit like like damn near 50 percent of your salary cap to the center position i i just don't I feel like that would make Brock Aller's skin crawl and yeah. he would never do that. You know, that's just way and they too just much. Couldn't do, I think if RJ's not in the trade, you just can't afford it. Like there's, it's yeah. too expensive. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing too. I mean, it, 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 cause they would probably ask for RJ rightly or wrongly. And I mean, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't really see any way you could do that either. It would have to be like RJ or quickly. I feel like in addition to maybe like top in and Mitch, and just because Mitch's value is at a relative low point right now. Now, granted, if he starts playing better, sooner than later then maybe that changes but um yeah it's it i i just really i don't think that anything like that is on the horizon before like next off season as far as like a major positional upgrade i think they're going to give this group at least this year to try to figure things out uh, because i mean they managed to they managed to put this whole roster together over the off season it seemed like you know we've had flashes of it looking really really good so i don't think they would be quick to like right on December 15th, make a trade or something like that and, and make a knee-jerk reaction because this front office hasn't done anything to suggest to us that they would do something like that yet. Um, but Gavin, before we get to our next question, which one I'm extremely excited about, uh, do you want to let everybody know about Calm? Yeah, because I mean, this is a pretty tense conversation, Alex. We gotta, we gotta, we're actually going to get to a question that says this later on, but I think, I think we all just need to chill out a little. So when it comes to athletes, we tend to focus on physical fitness, but there's another side to the game that's just as important, mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind and become the champion version of yourself. LeBron and Calm know what your mind, or, or rather know that your mind is like any muscle in your body. You don't have to be a world champion to learn how to train it. Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, reduce your stress, and perform at your best, just like King James. For LeBron, sleep is a critical part of his mental fitness routine. And he says, quote, getting good sleep and finding some time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. From the sound of rain falling on leaves to bedtime sleep stories, Calm puts me to sleep within minutes, which means I wake up ready for any challenge. So if you head to calm.com slash locked on NBA for a limited time, you will get a 40% off a Calm premium subscription. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves, like rain on leaves, and so much more like sleep stories and meditation, so you can be ready for any challenges that life throws your way. Again, for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm and get a 40% discount on a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on NBA. 
That's calm.com slash locked on MBA. And today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. I love Thanksgiving, all the good food and treats and plenty of them, but maybe you want a yummy dessert, but one that isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and only four grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Built Bar or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Eat the turkey Built Bar instead of the... Wait, no, I'm kidding. There's there's no turkey Built Bar. Not yet. Maybe stuffing someday. No, I'm kidding. None of, none of the savory flavors. Just those sweet flavors that you love so much. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, and high protein. All of them are covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two. Share some at your family gatherings. It'll make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Built Bar yet. New surprises will be coming out all month, including limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly. So check the site often. No uh, no turkey flavor, but there is a uh, coconut brownie chunk, I believe, that is out right now, which is probably the best special edition flavor that Built Bar has, short of maybe the raspberry cheesecake. Uh, so there's also nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, and we're back to get into some more of these mailbag questions. This next one comes from Paul Jeffrey III at Paul the Great Nine. And uh, Paul says, howdy, fellas. Howdy, Paul. Other than the sneaking booze into the garden, uh, or sorry, other than sneaking booze into the garden, What's the best bang for the buck on the adult beverage situation? Hopefully it's not something with gin in it. I've got enough chest hair. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Go Knicks. Thank you, Paul, for the kind words. First off, go Knicks. Gavin, you had mentioned on Twitter that I would probably have some insights on this, which I do, but I figure I'll throw it to you first to see if you have anything to throw into the ring here. I have, I have no insight on this at okay. all. Uh, yeah, it's all you, buddy. All right. So my, I have two suggestions. Uh, well, three. All right. One of them is what to avoid. Avoid the beers. I find that beers at sporting events are really overpriced for what you get. So like, why would you want to pay like $9 or $10 for essentially what equates to like two light beers that are like 4% alcohol? Like if you're trying to get a little buzz going on during the game, bad choice, that big, big time, bad choice. You don't want to go after that. Uh, pretty much always look for the mixed drink stand. And this works for City Field too. I can't. I actually, it works for Yankee Stadium too. I went there over the summer. Mixed drink stands or like the bar, or whatever, always the way to go. Go there, order like a double drink. It's usually like you know fifteen for a single or twenty for a double, and getting the double is so worth it. Like they heavy pour those drinks, and you end up with like a really strong cocktail, and probably like the equivalent of like two two and a half shots of of liquor in your uh, drink. So, like in New York City two to two and a half shots for 20 bucks is not half bad. So yeah, I usually say do that specifically at MSG. Um, there's the, the, I know at least on the, the 200 level where I'm usually sitting, there are stands usually sort of like off the main drag. Like there's like the main area with all the food stands. And then there's usually like cocktail stands at the end of those. So go hit those up. The lines aren't usually super long either. And then I forget where it is. I think it's in the upper deck and like the, the 300 section, but there's, there's like a daiquiri bar too somewhere in MSG. And it's like part of like a bigger bar. Like I think it's, 
I think it's the top level. There's like a whole big bar on the one baseline, I think. And there they had like um like frozen margaritas, frozen daiquiris, and I think one time I had like a frozen iced tea or like Arnold Palmer or something like that there. And those are solid too. Just like, you know, if it's like bitter cold winter, you probably wouldn't want a frozen cocktail. But, you know, for those like springtime games, absolutely. That's that's a solid get and a pretty good bang for the buck. So, yeah, if uh, if you don't have anything to add to that, Gavin, then, yeah, that's that's my recommendation. But stay away from the beers. Beers are always overpriced at sporting events. All Although right, I, what, what, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. Uh, as I was going to say, I, I do break my own advice sometimes and I do get a beer, but I feel like I'm not spending my money wisely when I do <laughs> I, I all I wanted to posit was I went to a, two years ago a Dodgers Yankees game and I got I don't know if you've had this before Alex I think it's an LA based beer but it was called Mango Cart it was hmm. delicious I got um, an incredible lightweight so I got a good buzz I had a Beyond hot dog I was I was happy I was, hmm. I was happy as could be that's and I, I'm, I'm not a big baseball guy but I had a, I had a fantastic time Yankees won uh, anyways uh, let's let's move on to our next question to wrap up the second segment it comes from Argentum Spectrum that's always I'm always curious where Argentum got his name. maybe that's just his first name maybe that's his, his full name that's it's an awesome name if so but I, I've always I've always loved the username at Argentum Specter one and he wants to know Presuming he. RJ's play seems very inconsistent. A few weeks ago, we were thinking that he might have a breakout season, and he's been dot, 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 not breaking out since then. What's the problem? So, Alex, this is something we've posited on the podcast, and I'll I'll throw this over to you. When has RJ, like, ever had a consistent month throughout his career? Maybe that's not a, maybe that's unfair. I probably should do a deeper dive onto his second-year game logs because it felt like there were stretches where he was really contributing. And to be clear, I think the, the great part about RJ is even when he's not scoring, he – tends to find ways to make a positive impact on the game. Like last night was a fantastic example where his defense on Karis LeVert, I thought was really good down the stretch. And eventually the shot came around. He stole the confidence. He hit two threes. So that is, that is the counterpoint to my argument, but at least in terms of his shooting, he has rarely, if ever been consistent throughout his career. Yeah. I think the more I've been thinking about this lately, I think that RJ maybe more than any other player on the roster has his performance tied to, just how well the team concept is working. Um, so like, and maybe Fournier is the other guy, but we've seen on these nights when the starters like are really not moving the ball well, we've seen like Julius Randle go off for a first quarter. We've seen Kemba Walker go off for a first quarter, but everybody else kind of just ends up sitting around watching them. I don't think RJ's quite to that point yet. I mean, maybe you could point to the, the Pelicans game as one where he sort of, he was sort of like taking over like a, a a primary option in that game and kind of just getting the ball in the perimeter and making something happen. But by and large, I think that he still kind of needs his pet sets called for him, like the pistol set with Mitch and, you know, various things to get him some open spot up looks. And that starts getting him in the groove to then, you know, be able to bust out some of that more ambitious stuff later on. Whereas lately, you know, outside of last night's game, um, I think that he's been a little more, like marginalized on offense, you know, like he hasn't, there are times where it seems like he doesn't touch the ball for five, six possessions at a time. And he's not really being featured in first quarters as much, which, you know, it's like chicken or the egg. Like, is he struggling because he's not being featured as much or is he not being featured as much because he's struggling? It's maybe a little column, column a little column B. Um, But, you know, I think that if, if the Knicks can continue the ball movement and team play that they had going on, in the first half of last game with the starters, then 
you know, RJ is a pretty good chance to rebound because I think that he just thrives in environments where, you know, he can sort of still play an off ball role and have, you know, some pull up three or sorry, some spot up three pointers, um, you know, some cuts to the basket, which we saw one of those uh, in the second half last night, you know, and it, just various things kind of get his confidence going. And then I think once that starts happening, then we'll start seeing a little more of the the super dominant RJ that we saw uh, in the couple of weeks prior to that. Yeah, I'm 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 with you. I I think it really is just a matter of time. Like I think it's worth remembering that he's still I mean what 21 years old, and it. I think there are all these parts of his game that, and I know the emphasis of Drew Hanlon in the offseason in the past was like just work on one thing at a time. But I think there were all these parts of his game, especially this year. And like we've seen flashes of it, right? Like the off the dribble, three-point shooting, like the greater strength getting to the rim that he's worked on. But it's so hard in real time on a team that just has not figured out how to play together yet to implement all that stuff cohesively. So I think it's just going to be a matter of time. And I think in a couple months, like, like if by the end of this year, you don't see him being at least like the same guy approximately for a month. And maybe, maybe that tops out not as like the guy who scored 27 or whatever it was against new Orleans. Like maybe it's a guy who's just consistently like 18 points per game and like six rebounds and five assists, but is, is actually is doing it pretty efficiently. And like, if that's where he tops out this year, I'm, I'm totally happy with that. But I just, I just want to see the same dude night to night. I want to see someone who, and a big part of it is like, um, like, as, as you noted, like getting, getting to the free throw line. And like that, that is how great scorers have consistency, even when their shot isn't falling on a night to night basis. So we will continue to see, but I think the litmus test will be, can he figure that out by the end of this year? Um, and if he doesn't, then you might just have a case of like, again, still really young, still a lot of time to figure it out, but like that might be who he is as a shooter to some extent. And I think that was sort of the concern, at least that I had on him coming out of the draft was like, is this a guy who can be a great scorer? And I think that that's still very much a question. Uh, but anyways, let's take our um, our final break and we will come back and give you uh, two final questions. But first, we wanted to remind you, Bill, or Bet Online rather, is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, we're back. Uh, third and final segment. Uh, this question, Alex, comes from Nick with a nap. Love the name at Lewis Mon 9907875. He had to take that because the first 9907875s were were taken with Lewis Mon. Uh, two questions. Why can't we reduce Randall's minutes by five per game? And why is Taj a better rim protector than say Obi or Randall? So Alex, I will I will throw both of those to you. All right. Well, my answer to the specific Randall question, the five minutes per game, I don't really see a good reason why he can't. And what's funny is that I feel like if you took off five minutes of if Tibbs would cut some of his more lackadaisical stretches short by five minutes, things would look pretty good. Like, for example, in the game last night, that stretch that he had that was so 
bad in the third quarter that otherwise kind of marred what was actually a pretty good game for him other than shooting the basketball. You know, I think that his whole game as a whole would be remembered and looked at a lot better without that that little turnover late in whatever BS stretch that he had there. So and that gives you more Obi as a benefit. So awesome. Yeah, totally. I, I'm I'm with that whole thing. Uh the second part is uh yeah I do you have anything to add to that? Like I feel like that one's pretty obvious. I, I think it would be yeah. easy to reduce Randall to like 33 minutes a game. Yeah, no nothing to add. Yeah. Uh but then the Taj versus Obi or Randall is a rim protector. So I, I this was such a great piece that I've referenced it like I mean it's it's pushing like six months old now probably if not older but uh, our good buddy Benji Ritholtz wrote a really good piece for the Strickland on like the differences between Taj Gibson and Nerlens Noel and how they operate as rim, rim protectors, right? And Taj, it's just, it's different, but he is a rim protector in the sense that he's not like Nerlens or like Mitch at Mitch's best where he's just going to gobble guys up right at the rim and block the crap out of their shots with just this like amazing timing and whatever, though he does occasionally flash that. And he even occasionally blocks three-pointers like Mitch. I don't know. Taj is the ageless wonder. But mostly his style is essentially creating a, a brick wall that almost starts around like the restricted area or maybe even a little further out. And just basically like always maintaining that wall there and not letting guys get to the rim. And he does it so, so good. Um, you know, he's probably one of the better players in the league at it because despite whatever physical limitations he has at this point in his career he's you know he's still locking up the paint really really well so um i i think that's the reason he doesn't necessarily protect the rim in the sense of daring guys to test him he just never lets them get to the rim to begin with now that to answer the part about uh, ob and randall you know i think that neither Obi nor Randall really do that. Randall maybe physically has the capability, but he doesn't put himself through that because he does so much on offense too. Obi just straight up doesn't physically have the capabilities to do that. He's more of like a help block guy right now, which he's doing really well with. And he's, he's done pretty well in man coverage too, but he's not like the intimidating, you know, center that can just kind of like camp the lane and block the crap out of guys. Um, the other thing though, that, you really lose with those two out there is the rebounding. So certain matchups, like I referenced this after the Philly game, I think about Andre Drummond, like you can't put, you know, Obi and, and Randall out there against an Andre Drummond. Cause however you feel about Drummond, he's going to eat them up on the glass. If those two are out there, you need like a more big body center like Taj. So it maybe doesn't all come down to, just the defense and the rim protection and really sort of the total package of what Taj offers, which is, you know, hard screens, rebounding, and, you know, also that sort of brick wall in the paint that is really useful. So that's, that's kind of my whole answer on that. Yeah. I was going to, I mean, this is basically what you said, but I was going to just Taj's positioning is such that it stops people from getting all the way to the rim. Like he, he's not blocking shots at the apex. He's cutting off plays before they happen because he's, he's that smart. He's that anticipatory. And to your point, he's, he's really, really strong, which in its own right, like people, people isolate rim protection. to like, can he meet someone at the summit? Like it's, there's a lot of different elements to it. And, and a lot of like the work, it's almost like 
solving a problem before it's there versus like it, it looks cooler when you're like oh wow he just he, he cut the wire on that bomb at the last second and it's like well but then you have the guy who like found the bomb like three hours earlier and just took it out and brought it to the police and like mm -hmm. that's that's sort of what taj does all right and uh, it's, real yeah, quick ahead. real quick just a guy that's come up a couple times in the last like week or so and we mentioned this the other day but like even deandre ayton who i think has proved to be a really good rim deterrent yeah in the nba is not a great shot blocker but I think you would call him a rim protector too, because he keeps people away. You know, there's something to be said. Even Mitch is sort of turning into this like force of nature that people just don't even try to test at this point. And Taj is kind of one of those guys. Like he manages to keep guys just away from the rim, which is the most important part of rim protection, I think. Yeah. All right. Let's get into it. Uh, final question here from just had at had underscore says, Hey guys, Justin from Queens mailbag question. If you're still on, this is year two for Tibbs and Leon. This isn't a complete roster, even if we thought they should be closer. And there's clearly changes that are going to come soon. Should we all take a more long-form view and not overreact to the minutia of a long season? Atlanta, Milwaukee, and others have had their struggles this season. Help us off the ledge. I love this perspective from Justin because I think, again, like when you cover, like we, we always talk about this on a podcast, when you do a daily podcast, like part of the nature of it is you have to kind of overreact to every little thing that happens because if not, we couldn't talk about it for 40 minutes every day. And we, we love, even though our bosses don't like it, we love to talk to you guys for 40 minutes every single day. Um, oh, where was I going with that? Um, anyways, the point, point being, uh, you end up fixating on like all these like little things that happen on a day-to-day -day basis. And like, sometimes it is better to just take more of a long view and say, hey, this franchise by and large is healthier than it's been in a very long time. There's a lot of fun elements to it, like the Emmanuel Quickly stuff we've been seeing, the Obi Toppin stuff we've been seeing, the Derrick Rose rejuvenation project, just the fact that Kemba Walker's on the team. Like we, I spent so much time like being like, oh, he's not defending well enough. He's overhelping. Like it's cool to watch Kemba like school dudes and like drop crossovers and like have like little up and under moves. Like that's just that's just fun as a basketball fan. And, and again, like we sometimes lock in on like, well, like when are they going to win a championship? Where is the linear improvement? Uh, why aren't they defending? Why aren't they running back? And like all that stuff is important and it matters and it's and it's significant. But this like we you you lose the fact that like, oh, this team is just like we were we were watching Andrea Bargnani however many years ago. Like this is just this is just a whole lot better than what it's been. So uh, shout out to Justin for uh, for forcing us to think about that and remind us of that. Yeah, I you know, I, I think I would just kind of say the same things basically like it's sort of like what i said at the beginning of the show with like what position needs to be upgraded right now and i just don't think there is one you know i think that there's something to be said for just waiting the reality is is that for as bad as the knicks have been this year they're they're two games over 500 14 games in and i think sitting at the sixth seed in the east as of this particular moment you know if they play at that same pace they'll probably hold in that spot and if if that's how the season ends up I don't think anybody would be all that disappointed as long as they really look like they've made some progress. But I think that we can pretty safely say that, particularly with the starters, it can't really get too much worse than it's been. So presumably the only way to go is up right now. Uh, I, But yeah, I do agree. Like the nature of our jobs, you know, doing this every day is to sort of take each game and turn it into a, a, a brand new, you know, perspective on the team and, and take as many takeaways from it as we can. And I think we do our best to try to treat it like a, you know, like just a, a piece of the puzzle rather than the whole thing. But, you know, it's it's easy to kind of lose the forest for the trees a bit it, over the course of a whole NBA season where you're, you know, you get so honed in on 
the 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 little things and the game to game stuff where you know i mean running like the strickland twitter account some nights you see it where it's just like the doom and gloom people come out of the rafters the second that anything goes wrong and want to say like oh my god the team is terrible blow it up what were we thinking randall is garbage you know he'll never get better rj barrett is like completely regressed now he's a bust and Kemba Walker was a terrible signing. Why did they ever even sign him? And, you know, my general stance at this point is kind of just, just be patient. You know, we'll probably still continue talking on this podcast game to game about certain things that we notice and whatever, and, and maybe even overreacting to some of them just because it's the nature of the job. But by and large, like, I think our general viewpoint and a lot of people's general viewpoint, which is the one that I think is the way to go with, which is kind of like what Justin was saying here is just to sort of like, assess things in in chunks so right now i would just be thankful for the fact that the knicks are two games above 500 right now instead of i believe at the same time last year two games below 500 uh that's improvement right there and there's uh, you know two very key new players on this team that are getting integrated and hopefully over the next you know 10 to 15 games or so we'll start to see some improvement from them as well and improvement from the team as a whole, and maybe maybe they'll rip off another eight nine game win streak that'll make us forget all about the, these early season sort of woes. Which I say sort of because like literally, I I realized this earlier today too. The Knicks are Ricky Rubio and Miles Turner both shooting a career high on three pointers away from being ten and four right now. And I think if they were ten and four, nobody would be complaining nearly as much. So. I, you know, I, I think everybody would be kind of over the moon if I'm being completely honest, because I would probably I, I don't have the standings in front of me, but that would have to put them close to the top of the East right now. So, yeah, patience, 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 patience. That's it. Yeah, they, they'd be they'd be tied for the three seed right or tied for the two seed right now. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that would be fantastic. So, yeah, I, that's it. Patience and and stop thinking the sky is falling all the time because it doesn't really matter that much. Like even if the Knicks underperform somewhat this year. What were the expectations really? Like most people outside of Knicks fans had this team as like at best a six seed. And even we ourselves said, Oh, I could see anywhere from three to six seed happening or even lower potentially. Yeah. So, you know, there's a large range of outcomes. Just kind of wait and see what happens is basically my advice at this point. Yeah. I, I again I think the things that ultimately matter are the guys who are still going to be on this team in five years or 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 could be turned into people who are going to be on this team for five years, continue to make strides and honestly. Uh, some 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 negatives some positives on that front but it's it's a lot of exciting stuff so we will wrap on that largely positive note for alex wolf i'm gavin shaw thank you for tuning in as always a reminder to please subscribe if you haven't already on your podcast platform of choice and even more importantly on youtube we're somewhere around 350 right now we would love to get all the way up to a thousand subscribers we're, we're still working on it but maybe we'll come up with some kind of prize or some kind of giveaway if we can get to that number so we'd really appreciate if you joined in tell your friends to do so as well and yeah check us out all right on that happy note we'll talk to you guys later peace out go next. <laughs>